Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. As far as I'm concerned, there is only one superhero, Batman. That's it. There's never been another one since. Never follow another one. Don't know anything about hardly any of the others. Batman was my guy from the day my mom made me, by her own hands, a Batman costume. I had it all, buddy. I had the cowl. I had the tool belt. I had the cape. Batman was real. The other ones have never mattered to me. I've not kept up. We talk about the idea of superheroes. We talk about what we create with them as far as how powerful and wonderful they are. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the only superhero this world has ever seen that was real. I mean real. Everything he did had a purpose. Everything he was had an intention. And when all is said and done, when the world is finished, when we've passed through everything we're supposed to pass through, when God is ready, all of this will be over. But he will still be standing with any of us who want to stand with him. So I know that, in fact, the only real superhero is Jesus. And yet... Have you ever thought about the things that Jesus couldn't do? I want to think about that in just a moment. But I want to look first at this passage in John 17, if you have your Bible there. I want you to notice with... This is happening. And this is not good. I might ought to start over just because. All right. Oh. Okay. You know what? I just found the problem. This thing fell off. That do it? There we go. I don't know who's been using my microphone, but oh wait, it's only me. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, let's get back to John 17. Here's what we're going to find. 
When I suggest that there are things that Jesus could not do, on the face of it, it sounds like that's not what he said in John 17. Because he said in verse 4, I've finished the work you gave me to do. And even though Jesus finished what God told him to do, I want to suggest to you there were things he could not do. Yes, he finished the work that God gave him to do, and the things that he could not do fit within uh, the concept of the work God wanted him to do that he did, in fact, finish. What was the work he finished? Verse 3, he finished the work of providing eternal life for anybody who wants it. That's finished. It's done. It's complete. It's real. You can have it. You can leave today with an assurance of eternal life because Jesus finished that work. That work was necessary. We couldn't do it on our own. We'd already messed up everything. People in the world had already messed it up. God had to fix it. And Jesus came to finish that work of providing eternal life. And therefore, he finished it because he's wanting us to know who God is. I want you to know who God is, Jesus said. He wants us to know him. He wants us to understand him. So his work had a plan. His plan was to provide eternal life through knowing God so that we could have what he wants us to have. This is the life that he wants us to have. And when he said, I did it, it's because God gave him the authority to do it. He has power. He has superhero power because God gave it to him. And as the power represented in the life that he lived, he then could say, Father, now give me the glory that I had with you from the beginning. Here is a point we need to understand. Jesus came to finish a work that God set him out to do. But in order to do that, he had to get rid of for a while what he had while he was with the Father. And I want to suggest to you that there is a difference going forward. Yes, I know that he and his father from eternity were one. They were God and they are God. But when Jesus came here, the Bible said he emptied himself in order to come here. Philippians chapter 2. To be the human who could make intercession between us and God. He lived the perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice. He finished that work. But this finishing the work made him different. Going forward, I want the glory that I had with you before. There is a sense in which he did not have the glory that he had before because he emptied himself. And I want to suggest to you that going forward in eternity, through eternity, there will be a difference because of what he did to finish the work for us. Yes, Jesus finished the work. He completed what he set out to do. You and I have opportunities because of what he did 
to know God and to have eternal life. All authority rested in him. Well, if all authority is in him and he finished the work that God set him out to do, how is it that there were things he could not do? They will be understood, I think, in the mission that he came to fulfill. Number one, let me suggest to you that Jesus couldn't answer every question. Now, it's not that he doesn't know the answer to every question. It's not that he had things that he didn't really know and he's got to figure it out. God knows all. Jesus couldn't answer every question. Now, on the one hand, let me suggest to you, when he was talking in Matthew chapter 24 about the coming destruction of the city of Jerusalem, he also included this statement, but of the day and hour, no one knows, no not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Part of emptying himself, he did not know when he was here every single thing that God knew going forward. He had his godness, but he lived as a human. I've always believed that he never let his humanity tap into his Godhead in a way that kept him from being human. He had to be human for you and me. He had to face what we face so that he could be the perfect high priest, Hebrews chapter 4. And so he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And in order to stay fully human, he did not let his God nature override his humanity to help him avoid things that you and I have to face. But he couldn't answer every question. In Matthew chapter 21, the leaders of the people came to Jesus and said, Who are you? And who gave you this authority? Who are you? We don't know who you are. Now their idea was, you are a teacher. You are a rabbi. Who trained you? Under whose feet did you sit? The Jewish mindset was that they would train the next teachers and you would always be known as the one taught by so-and-so. Maybe you remember how Paul said of himself, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was trained by Gamaliel. Who were you trained by, Jesus? Who gave you this authority? Notice how he responded. I'm going to ask you a question. And if you answer my question, then I'll answer yours. John the baptizer. Where did, was he from man or from God? Well, these leaders started thinking, wait a minute. If we say he's from God, he's going to criticize us because we didn't believe him. If we say he's from man, the people are going to rise up because they did believe him. So they thought they figured it out. Oh, we're not going to tell you the answer to that. And Jesus said, fine. I'm not going to tell you the answer to your question either. Jesus couldn't answer that question because his mission demanded he not do it. 
His mission was to teach, to train, and to show these people didn't get an answer because they already had it. They already knew it, and they refused it. John 7, 25 to 30, Jesus stood up in front of those people and he said, In the temple, you know me. You know where I'm from. You know I'm not from here. Why don't you believe me? They all knew the answer. That's why they tried to kill him. Because all the people were going to follow him and they would lose their power. They already knew Jesus couldn't answer that question. Because they already knew the answer. And his mission said, I'm not helping you if you refused to do what you know is right. Number two, Jesus couldn't stop every evil. Deuteronomy 15, 11, when the people were going into the promised land, Moses told them, Remember this, the poor you will always have with you. Jesus three times said the exact same thing. The poor are always here with you. You remember when the woman came before his crucifixion, took that expensive oil, poured it on his feet, dried his feet with her hair, and there was Judas thinking, wait a minute, that's a waste of money. And the people even talked about that. And Jesus said, hey, you want to take that money and give it to the poor? I'm telling you, the poor you have always. But me, you don't have always. She has anointed me for my burial. Jesus couldn't stop every evil. It's not that he doesn't have the power to. It's not that he is incapable of it. It's because the mission didn't call for it. The mission didn't call for him to come and stop every bad thing that happens on the earth. The poor you have always with you represents the fact that there will always be evil around. It's not the mission. Because the troubles of life are the result of sin. Sin is the choice of humanity. And God gives everybody free will. If Jesus had stopped all evil, he would have had to override all free will. That's not the mission. That's not the point. That's not what he wants. He couldn't stop every evil. Number three, he couldn't convince every person. He couldn't. There were people who just couldn't get it. They just couldn't understand. It just wasn't clicking with them. It didn't make any sense to them that this Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus did not convince his own brothers. John 7 in verse 5. His own brothers and sisters didn't even believe him. 
Now, on the one hand, you and I will go, well, yeah, I get that. If you're raised with someone in a family and all of a sudden he says, I'm God, you're going, what? I can get it. But by the time of John 7 in verse 5, Jesus is in his 30s. They're no children anymore. Now they've been able to look at him and watch him and see him. They have been able to see he is totally consistent. He never messed up. He never failed. He was never mean. He was never unkind. Jesus, he claims to be the Son of God, but his brothers didn't believe it, even though they saw him live it every day. John chapter 12, verse 36, says that Jesus did many great works in the presence of these people, but they did not believe him. He couldn't convince them. Many of us today have said, you know, if I were living in Bible times and I saw Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus and all of a sudden by speaking a word, Lazarus came walking out of that tomb, man, I would have said, I'm in. I'm all in because this is fantastic. But you remember what happened in that event, don't you? The people, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, wanted to kill him. They couldn't be convinced. Many because they didn't want to. Others, because by doing so, they would have had to give up their own power and their own standing. What was the mission of Jesus? To convince every person? To make sure that every person accepted him? No. The mission was to teach every person. So it's okay that he couldn't convince every person. Jesus said, John 17, I have come that you might know God. And even though he didn't convince them, he certainly was able to say that he had taught them because that was his mission. Again, Jesus could not keep every disciple. He could not keep every disciple. John chapter 6 and verse 66 is probably one of the saddest verses in Scripture. And it says that these went away from him. These disciples went away. In John chapter 6, he had just fed the 5,000 by multiplying fish and bread in a miraculous way. 
Multitudes, the text says, were following him around. And then he began to teach them after the meal. And he taught some very difficult things. And after he had finished teaching the difficult things, though they had been fed, he blamed them. He said, you're not following me for what you can learn. You're following me because you think I'll feed you again. And these disciples left. He couldn't keep them. His mission was not to force people who made a decision for him to stay. That wasn't the mission. The mission was not to say, okay, you've bought in and now you're here and you can't leave. The mission was to make disciples, but keep them with their free will. And because of their own failures, he couldn't keep them. Number five, Jesus couldn't please Everybody. Well, this is one that you and I can understand. This is one that we get. Oftentimes, we say, no matter what you do, somebody's going to be upset. That's right. So the fact that Jesus didn't please every single person makes sense. But if anybody had the chance to please everybody, surely it was Jesus. But there was that one guy. He was enamored by Jesus. He was drawn to him and he came to him and he said, what can I do to have eternal life? Jesus told him, oh, I've done all that. Fine. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. And the text says, and he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. He couldn't please everybody. But then again, the mission was not to please everybody. Had he designed Christianity to please everybody, what would it look like? Chaos. <laughs> because one person would want this and another would want that. He came to please his father. And if he pleased his father but didn't please everybody, that's okay because that's the mission. So he couldn't. Please everybody. With all of these things that he couldn't do, one final thing to give all of us. He couldn't keep quiet. In John 9, Jesus said, I have to work the works of him that sent me while it is still day. He couldn't be silent because he was driven. He was drawn to the idea. He was filled with the desire to serve his father. And he couldn't keep quiet. 
but neither could anybody else. In Mark chapter 1, a leper came to Jesus and asked to be healed. And Jesus granted it. But then Jesus said, now go show yourself to the priest, but tell no one what has happened to you. Verse 14. But in verse 15, the text says, but he went away and made this known to everyone. He could not keep silent. This is too great. This is too wonderful. I have to do this. Even though Jesus said no. What's the point? Number one, Jesus had a mission. And his mission was fulfilled. He finished it. He completed it. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. But in fulfilling that mission, there were things that he could not do that any person given the choice would probably want him to do. You get all this stuff, you need to stop all the evil. You need to make sure everybody believes in you and stays here. And by the way, don't leave any question unanswered. Think of all of the things that we would want. And Jesus said, it's not my mission. But number two, knowing what we know, how do we keep quiet? How do we keep quiet? Here's what I know from the pandemic time we've been through. People are willing to talk constantly, argue back and forth, present evidence saying, here is what COVID is about. We argue one side, others argue the other side. And we're drawn to do it. We get into it. We enjoy it. We have a competition. We're drawn not to be quiet about that. But sometimes I wonder if the crickets are chirping for Christians who are staying quiet about Jesus. If he is a superhero, if he did do these things, if he did finish his mission, then why are we not vocal? Why are we not driven? What's holding us back? Maybe we should be like the leper and just realize I have to say something. Let me tell you one more thing as we close that Jesus couldn't do. Jesus couldn't, can't, and won't 
take someone against their will and force them to be His. If you've never obeyed Jesus, if you're in a lost state, if you see the power of Jesus and yet you've not agreed to have it as a part of your life, He's not going to force you. He's not going to come in and drag you over. He is not going to tackle you and put you in a submission hold. Oh, He wants you to submit. But it has to be free will. So the question is, are you willing? Are we willing? And if we need to come back to the Lord from whom we have strayed, only submission to the most powerful being there is will ever work. We're here today. Our shepherds are coming to the front. We're ready to meet any who need the strength that can be provided through God and these people. Let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.